swagger, okay? Regardless of what happens out there, doesn't matter. Keep your swagger. Everybody, we are Five Hole Fantasy Hockey. We are your hosts, myself, Zach Vogel, TJ Branton, and Raj. Hey there. Hey, hey, hey. Fucking nailed it. Sleeper episode. It's time to get sleepy, guys. Also, just so you know, um, you can find us somewhere on the Twitterverse at like, you know, at FHF age hockey or something or other um you can fax us um at 612-863-4559 if you if you fax that number good luck i hope you get some sort of answer <laughs> just imagine being that random guy that gets a fax that's like do i start nazim kadri today <laughs> what, what what is this who are these people <laughs> we got a sleeper episode who's excited i love sleepers I misunderstood. I thought we were having a sleepover tonight. You got Zoom Premium. We could just leave it on all night. I didn't like how long that silence was <laughs> after I said that. I think it was the perfect amount of silence. <laughs> okay, so first off, I think the biggest discretion kind of is, you know, the difference between what makes a sleeper and what really makes like an ADP value play. So the ADP value plays, we were talking about it with Ian Gooding, uh, like guys like Shea Theodore are going in, I think the sixth round or something, but they could give you a third round value. So right there, you got ADP value plays. You can't call Shea Theodore a sleeper. Everybody knows about him. Um, he, you know, he's pretty loud in the fantasy sphere. I think what makes the sleeper is guys that are going in the double digit rounds who are going to pay maybe top 100 value if everything clicks right. And that's a big part of these sleepers, I think is we're taking gambles or at least the guys that I wrote about today, all of them are gambles. They all are kind of contingent on one thing clicking right for them. And it's a gamble that you could take in, in double digit rounds that is going to pay dividends. So for me, sleepers are guys that you get way late in the draft that wind up maybe doubling their ADP. So Raj in, in, yeah, in your, in your mind, what makes a sleeper? I think everything TJ said, but also there's something definitely implied that it's a late round pick, that it's a bit of a gamble. It is different than a value play, like you said. Like a lot of these guys could end up streamer spots by you know three weeks in. You are taking a bit of a a gamble with the sleeper. Yeah, you can't expect a sleeper to go in the sixth round like like we were saying Theodore was. Okay, so just a little background on how we're doing this. We originally were gonna be picking like three players each. And then just cycle through them. Uh, but then I kind of fucked everything up, started throwing out a whole bunch of names. and I was you know, debating between three and four, too. Yeah, so uh, we, we decided to kind of just split the diff here, and we went with four. So without further ado, I'm going to jump ahead of all you guys because I have been yearning to talk about this person. I got I have not gotten to talk about Mackie Weeks in, like, forever. Too long. And you know that I love Mackie Weeks. I also love that he is turning into, you know, the real player that I thought that he could be. Um, and with a pace of 55 points, 36 points in 54 games, he's proving that it wasn't just that Buko pairing with Ekblad that was really pushing him along. Pretty much because he did a lot of what he got out of those points while Ekblad was still on the mend. Remember last mm. year, Ekblad went down for quite some time. Mackie Weeks was the guy. So really, I think the question is about Mackenzie Weger is with Ekblad returning, is that going to be a good or a bad thing? Well, I do think that's a good question. I don't really think that it's going to you know, negatively affect Weger too much. Um, his numbers were similar while Ekblad was still on the ice. And really, another scoring defenseman like that, like Ekblad, and who can also play good defense— That'll kind of give Uyghur a little more wiggle room to, you know, shoot the puck. I do think that he is going to start out more likely on the second power play unit, but we have seen that he can run the first power play unit if Ekblad, you know, takes a step back. 
Obviously, I want to see him get more power play time with only three assists and zero goals that came on the man advantage out of all of his points. So this is definitely a part of his game that I think really could kind of catapult him up the draft charts. But for now, I'll take him at a double digit pick in our ADP. He was, uh, you know, 111, pretty much, you know, start of the 10th round. So I kind of see him as, you know, a third best defenseman. And if he is your third best defenseman, you are looking pretty fucking good. My favorite thing about Mackenzie Weger, and maybe it's just last year that there's a lot of variance with defensemen. He led all defensemen in even strength points. Hell yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah. So he does damage and he does. I mean, the biggest knock against him is he, yeah, he doesn't have power play one and, and with Ekblad there, he's probably not going to get it, but Yandel's out of the picture now and he was a big part of the power play. So I think Weger, you know, as a second power play defenseman and think about it too. I mean, how deep is Florida? Their second power play is still going to be pretty strong. You put, I mean, we, we, we tried to put a first power play unit together. You're leaving like guys like Hornquist or Hagee, Duclair for the second unit. I mean, if that, if that means Bennett is up on the top unit, Reinhardt, they, Frank Vetrano, like they have a solid second power play unit to boot. So even if power play one chews up a bunch of that time, like percentage, maybe it's 70% or what have you, there's still a pretty good second power play unit out there for Mackenzie Weger to maybe boost his three power play point. What's that? Is I wouldn't be surprised if that's a career high. It's a career high. And uh, yeah, I could see that going up two hits a game over a block a game. This is a guy that's going to get your peripherals in those cats leagues. So the floor is pretty comfy and the ceilings there. I dig it. Yeah. He's fantastic. Florida looks so good this year. I keep saying that year in and year out, but they just keep getting better. They keep getting better and not getting better all at the same time. Uh, Raj, why don't we go to you? Let's do Tomas Tatar. Yeah, Tatar, one of the guys, you know, new face, new place type of situation. He led Montreal in scoring both years he was there, and then they just started to hate him. And his playing time went down significantly. He clearly fell out of favor with the, with the team. You know, New Jersey is not... You know, it is not near the team that uh, Montreal is, but you were dancing around that, looking for the nicest words to say. Well, they—I mean, the thing is, they're not as good of a team, but offensively, uh, Montreal isn't a powerhouse either, right? Like it's you know, Tatar, right, Tatar yeah. back you know two years ago was the best offensive player on the team. Um, now he's got the guy I'm going to talk about later. Jack Hughes is is looking better there's a lot of ifs there's a lot of ifs here but that kind of is what a sleeper is right as we were talking about this is definitely not a sure thing but he could pop off again for another 25 goals something like that he also gets quite a quite a few hits for a forward which is nice they have no one else really to put on a power play so he's going to be on a power play as well there and again like his adp is 173.9 which is late 14th round so you know, if he ends up a streamer spot in, in three weeks or something, so f- fine. But that's what these spots are for. I think that's a great point. And that man has one steady freaking shooting percentage. Like, doesn't he? He likes to hang. Yeah. Just steady as she goes, man. That shot volume took a bit of a hit. Yeah, his minutes went down just by a minute and a half or something. But there is obviously something that happened, right? Like, it's there was just... He, he leads the team. You charm. Yeah, just for whatever reason, they just are going in a new direction, and that's clearly what happened to him. And he kind of gave up, and they got rid of him, which is, you know, I, I hate leaning on the, the fresh start in a new spot too much, but I do think it's it's another one where that there's a potential. So I'll, I, I'd going to take a swing at him. You know, again, you get him in the mid-late 14th round or whatever. Great. One thing I do love about New Jersey is they are ripe with opportunity. You look at the, I mean, left wing depth chart, Miles Wood, Nolan Foote, and the, you know, the the best guy that he's got to beat out is Yanni Kokonen. And maybe they do like that Kokonen, Hughes, Sharangovich line, but Tatar, Heischer, Jesper Bratt, that's, I mean, it's not a bad fallback, I guess you can call it. You know, they kind of split how much time they get. Power play time is going to be ripe for the taking. Um, and there's always, I mean, if there's anything in New Jersey, it's opportunity. And that's, you know, we saw a ceiling because he was first line in Montreal. So I just wonder, you know, how much more is there to give? But I, I like him for, what was he on a 50 point, yeah, 49 point pace coming off of 74. 
I don't I don't mind him for like a bounce back here. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be better than he has ever been before or anything, but I think he he's got potential to to be, you know, in and around that 70 point range maybe if everything goes right and and some hits. So yeah, decent. I do got to say that I'm going to miss you know what? that and I'm glad you bring it up. None of those guys except Gallagher's there. And they were so good at possessing the puck that we saw Gallagher's hits dry up. Now Gallagher's got two new line mates. What are the chances that Gallagher's hits come back? It's quite a different looking team all around. If you got Mike Hoffman on your line, you know, like that's, that's not a line that you're going to, you're going to be top three in possession on. But anyway, my first sleeper, Andre Burakoski. I've been talking about him all off season. He's going just around the 10th round, late ninth ADP of one eight. 111.8. And while somebody was out, sometimes Burakovsky took that top power play spot, whether it was Rantanen or McKinnon or whatever. I think if McKinnon was out, they slid Comfer up to the top unit just for face-off kind of continuity there. But there were 14 games all year where Burakovsky saw 50% or more of the power play time on ice. Big thank you to Frozen Tools for that. In those 14 games, Burakovsky had seven power play points, half power play point per game, he had 11 points all day, 32 shots on goal in there, 10 hits in those 14 games. It's a bit of a gamble, you know, because I am assuming that it's his outright, that top power play spot. And they did obviously choose Jonas Donskoy over Burakovsky last year. So maybe it's not his right away or whatever. Like Donskoy is a righty, Burakovsky is a lefty. Confer, like I said, had been up on that top power play before. He's a righty too, same as Donskoy. So maybe they do that kind of bullshit just to to make things happen but there's also Nazem Kadri so he's a lefty maybe that plays against him but he is he's kind of got that I could see Kadri kind of fitting into like a net front role and I think that'd be great so there is competition and I think if you consider that Andre only saw 14 games with 50 or more percent of Colorado's power play time on ice and he still put up a 68 point pace if that's what we can consider the floor, considering I think it was 64 point pace the year before, if he's floating at 60 to 65, even pushing 65 point pace from power play two, when I look at that floor, I feel pretty good, especially if I'm drafting him in the 10th round, and especially if the ceiling presents itself with a top power play promotion. So again, I love the floor. The city, the ceiling's pretty appealing. I, I really don't know what else there is to say about Burakoski. All of my guys are going to be gambles. And I think, you know, that's kind of what we have been saying this whole episode is if if it's a sleeper, you're you're gambling on something. You're hoping for something to click right. And for me, Burakoski getting top power play would be clicking right. No, even from the second power play, he still had four goals and 10 assists. Yeah, seven of those power play points came from what I assume is top power play time. But I mean, you know, Burakoski, Kapanen, Nietzsche's, Hyman, uh, we're, we're all these guys putting up 60 Ehlers. Like we're, we're putting up 60, 70 point paces from power play too. You know, there, there's, there's value out there in the late rounds. Burkowski 10th round might not be as late as, you know, as advertised, but kind of counted as a double digit round, especially when the ceiling could be 75 points or more. So I like him as a kind of a sleeper here. Sneaky pick. And just surrounded by opportunities to score, right? Like, oh, he is beyond insulated. It's like North Face, dude. Uh, so in our in our drafts, Connor Garland is going one seventy five, uh, which is right in the middle of the fifteenth round. And like I was saying before, earlier in the episode, we all know that I'm a big fan of New Face and New Places. I think that we can all agree that you know Garland was one of the very few bright lights in Arizona. Um, and this man got an upgrade, spelled with two Ds, for a double dose of pimpin'. Is that an idiocracy reference? I fucking love it. <laughs> He'll likely get a bit of time, you know, with both uh, Petey and Besser on the first line and JT Miller uh, and Pod Colson on the second, which is where he has been seen through camp. So I'm pretty sure that's where he's going to be starting on the left uh, left wing for the, uh, for the second line. But moral is, is he is solidified in to the top six with a team that is brand spanking new with tons of young scoring talent, like tons there. Y'all are foaming at the mouth with fucking young talent. 
So perfect place for Garland to go. That way he doesn't have to be the main threat like he had to be in Arizona. Now he can actually, you know, take a little more of a backseat role and still get all the points. I love it. I also love the chances of him being on that top power play. Um, I personally like his, you know, all around kind of grittier game, you know, get under your skin, uh, you know, in your face sort of player, which I think will go really well on that top power play. But you guys are going to love this. One of the most titillating stats that I saw are his uh, are his possession metrics, mm-hmm. even me. So his Corsi 4 has career-wise always been stellar, even on a shit team like the Coyotes. Um, he is well above 50%. So if if he can hold on to the puck with his crap ass teammates that he had in Arizona, I can only imagine what he can do with you know a Petey and a Besser or um, a Pod Colson and and a really good JT Miller or Horvat. He is the lowest average drafted uh, player um, that I have, I believe. Um, but as far as breakouts concerned, I think he actually might have the highest ceiling of all the players that I'm going to be talking about, um, specifically because of the team that he's going to. Um, I do think that Vancouver is going to be very, very good this year. Kudos to you, Raj. That's that's my opinion. I think that they're going to take a big step forward, and I think Connor Garland is going to be a big part of that. Well, I'd like to feel like I had a big part in Vancouver's improvement this year. Yeah. Great that's job, off Raj. to you, Raj. Yeah, uh, well done. No, I think you're spot on, man, and <laughs> look look at this look at this i'm spending enough money to pay for gar and his fucking salary and in merch here <laughs> no but every if man it, if it works out the way that you th- think it's going to which i think it very likely could that's that's really it makes sense it just makes sense i really like him and horvat and either pod coles in or hoglander um but any way you slice it, the the top six and even the, even the top nine is is good. But he'll be in the top six for sure. Top nine, solid. Yeah, yeah it's pretty cool. I'm really stoked. He's going past the fifteenth round in Yahoo ADPs, which is like you, pretty much your last round. If you're taking a swing on somebody like Connor Garland, that I mean, we've talked about it enough. Like power play two, even if he doesn't get power play one, guys can eclipse the sixty point pace mark from power play two. We've seen it time and time again. The worry is that, okay, there's two sides to this argument. Um, Vancouver has historically fed power play one like 80% of the time. So if he is power play two, maybe there's not as much a chance for him to hit that 60 point mark. But if he knocks somebody like for me, Horvat's the guy that goes down. You got Miller. I mean, Pedersen's not great at faceoffs, but you got somebody like Miller that can take those faceoffs and Horvat goes down unless Dickinson's your guy down there or whoever is taking faceoffs on power play two. But it, that would be the the path for Garland to get power play one for me. Especially, I think all those guys, I think Besser might be the only righty up there and Garland would add another right-handed shot. Everybody else is a lefty. Yeah, I really would. That, that makes a lot of sense. And I think uh, as good as Horvat is, they're going to at least try that. And Besser's been in the doghouse from time to time too, right? Like he's seen power play two reps. He's no stranger. Not after last season, I don't think he's back in the. He was the star of the team last year. But we've also seen Bo Horvat on the second power play unit. You know, he's the captain. He's going to do whatever the hell he has to to help the team. You know, that's just who Horvat no, he's, is. He's awesome. I think he just takes faceoffs. He just takes the faceoffs down there. Oh, for sure. If if I have a defensive if I have a defensive zone faceoff. I'm putting Bo Horvat out there. For sure. Fucking I. No matter what power play unit it is. I mean, it's going to be OEL running power play two, which is a step up from slow ass Edler or Tyler Myers or somebody like that last year. So anyway, you slice it. He's going to, he's going to have a good season, I think. And I hope, and I need good stuff. I'm glad we're all in agreement on that one. I'm sorry that I took your guy, but I, I feel like I did him justice. Sure did. Who you got? I like I like this next one, Raj. I I think you're up as a guy that you alluded to earlier, and it's a guy that you stole from me. See, I stole your guy, so exactly tit for tat. It's a trade. The trade is one for one. Yeah, I went with Jack Hughes, um, another guy. I like him. 
Yeah, like he, he started to show signs of, of playing hockey towards the end of last year. Uh, just another year bigger and stronger. Uh, he's late 13th round, 148 ADP type of thing. So another guy who's just not really a risk with potentially a huge upside. I mean, a friggin' first overall pick. Right. There's definitely talent there with the amount of the amount people get scouted and seen these days. If you're picked first overall, there is real talent there. The fact that he had a really bum first season, he did show significant improvement, as did the team. You know, we've already brought up the addition of Tatar, Hamilton doesn't have to play with Subban anymore. All positives. And and they're going to lean on him. Like, he sure is a perfect 2C. Jack Hughes, uh, at what he's supposed to be, is a 1C. So I think they're going to start out the year feeding him the minutes. He was up to 19 minutes last year, so they were starting to give him proper time on ice. Yeah, I love that. And I want to see his, I want to see his shots. We don't want to say somebody's got to score, but if someone on that team's going to score, it's probably going to be him. <laughs> and be he's, he's good. <laughs> You look at some of his like evolving hockey charts and you put it right next to Patrick Kane's and I, they look, they're eerily similar. So if, if that tells you anything, I mean, the people that put a lot of weight into those charts are going to tell you Jack Hughes is going to be the next Patrick Kane. Maybe that breakout starts this year. Love to see the shots. Give me the shots. I know we've talked about this before. It's just his style of play. Like from year one to year two, he looks like a completely different player. He's a go-getter. Like that's what I would love for people to do. Watch his, watch some of his rookie year stuff, and then watch him play last year. He just plays a much more uh, like, kind of like, hey, I'm good. I know I'm good. I'm going to make you look silly because that's what he did last year. And if that continues, he could you know, really shoot up these charts. Yeah, and he's shooting super low shooting percentage too, like 5.7 and 7.7 in his first two years. So for, again, for a star player like that, that's not the type of shooting percentage you're going to, you're going to see if things work out the way they're supposed to. So, but he's taking shots. Like I said, I, I, I love that. I mean, he's just under three a game. Keep on shooting, kid. Keep on shooting and maybe, maybe bump that shooting percentage up to, you know, 10 or 11. And, and now you've got a, a decent season under your belt. So it's just that easy, kid. Just bump up that shooting percentage a bit. I dig it. It's Barry Kapanen, boys, and I think there's a pattern here. So Burkowski's my first sleeper. Kapanen is number two. Both should slide up to power play one as a result of a vacancy. Crosby and Malkin are out. And Crosby comes back, makes power play one better. Who'd have thunk it? And, you know, like, does Kapanen get demoted at that point? No, because Malkin is still out for like months at least. So Kapanen's going to be riding that top power play. He's who I got my money on, not, you know, Jason Zucker. I don't think that experiment's going anywhere. Not Jeff Carter, who to a lesser extent is a bit of a sleeper because I think he'll be 1C for the first two weeks and then 2C until Malkin comes back. So there's there's something there too. But Kapanen is another player who kind of like flirts with the 60-point mark, even with power play two time. He's generally had really good even strength deployment to boot in Pittsburgh I mean, you start sprinkling some power play time, top power play time on top of that. I think there's going to be some pretty gaudy totals coming out of here. I'm not talking like point per game or, you know, 100 point pace or anything like that, because he still doesn't shoot for shit. 2.2 is a career high. Uh, and I think he was like 1.7 last year. I want to see. <laughs> give me some shots before I like really go to bat for somebody. But I think there's going to be serious early season, late round value here. And he's going to be somebody that like you can drop, you know, like when Malkin comes back. And I guess another caveat is that if Malkin comes back and he isn't 100 percent, maybe they keep Kapanen up there. So you're going to be one of the GMs out there that already has Kapanen on your team. You can make that decision for yourself. Give it a couple games. See what happens with the power play. But whatever, you know, at the end of the draft, you consider Kapanen. It's an early investment. And I mean, if there's if there's any help coming, maybe it's in the form of continued inflated percentages maybe he gives us another 60 point pace after he gets demoted back down to power play two which i do think is going to happen because evgeny malkin is evgeny malkin it's just there's name value there he's power play one if the kid starts shooting i would consider him even being a hold 
after Malkin comes back if your roster's deep enough. I'm talking those ESPN leagues with 23 players. Maybe not your three bench Yahoo teams, but I like Kapanen, especially early in the year when you know two of your top power play guys are out and there's going to be room for you. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I just don't like the Penguins. Yeah, well, they're 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 starting to go downhill. A I like bit. points. It's, it's not just a straight up. I don't like the Penguins. I'm a Flyers fan kind of thing. I like points. Yeah, well, you like Evgeny Malkin too for some reason. Okay, so moving on from this, you know, horrid talk about the freaking Penguins. Screw you, Pittsburgh. Talk about something fun. Mm. Let's have a Zach talk about Zach. My boy, Zach Hyman. Yeah, I think he's, I mean, he's my boy too, Raj. I don't want to speak for you, but maybe he's a, he's a five hole teacher's pet here. Yeah, I like him a lot. Yeah, we've, we've been on Zach Hyman for a long time. Just even time. before the trade. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Years, years before the trade. <laughs> um, so in, in our mocks, he's going 127.9, which is right in the middle of the 11th round. First, I want to talk about what a wonder it is when a good player starts to get a little bit more time on ice. Since getting his time bumped up to over 19 minutes, he's been over 0.7 points per game, with this past year being his best year of his career at 0.77 points per game. I feel like that's pretty damn important considering he did, you know, almost fully all of that at even strength. If he were to get the nod for the top AP unit in Edmonton, which, remember, is the best power play unit in the league, I think that will be a huge catalyst to bump him, you know, not just sleeper, but, like, legitimate, viable, like, top 10 round kind of guy. Uh, I think that the fit, I, I think that the fit looks spot on. It's like a match made in heaven. Uh, the Oilers have been looking for someone to wing McDavid, and with Hyman's game style of, you know, forecheck and pass for per, uh pass to a to a player like McDavid who thrives in that kind of atmosphere and takes advantage of his teammates hard work in a good way that I think that the running gun style is really going to help to Hyman's strengths now don't get me wrong I do love Austin Matthews obviously and I love Mitch Marner but McDavid and Dreisaitl both are shoe-ins for 100 plus point seasons like every friggin year and McDavid's about McDavid's you know throwing 150 out there uh, which is just unreal. So really, it's the proximity to these, you know, really, really, really good players. So there's a couple things I want to add here. Uh, there's a preseason game going on as we speak. And Zach Hyman has a goal and a power play assist. Now, I don't know if it's power play one because it's Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl on the assists and they play both power plays. <laughs> yes. <Yeah>, but... <laughs> Zach Hyman's got two points against the Kraken tonight in a five nothing game. So that uh, he scored a goal with McDavid and Pooley Arvey, his even strength line mates. I think there's there's good reason. I'm not about to tie Ratty this guy, but I think he's going to stick on the top line and uh, you know 63 point pace from power play too. He's and a proven, it, yeah, he is a proven commodity. Sell it. Though. Yeah, I'm all about him. That's the big difference too, and he's got exp- he has experience playing on that type of line, like with that value of player, right? Like that's that's takes skill to play with somebody like that or to play with Matthews, and that's like a, that's a just to keep up. And he's proven he can do it. Think back when that team was really good. It was it was Pat Maroon on that top line. And that's what I think they went really deep into the playoffs. And I think they lost to Anaheim. That's how long ago we're talking about is Anaheim in the quarterfinals um, or semis or whatever it was. But man, um, just to have somebody that can like check and somebody that can go into the corners for McDavid, that uh, it's going to be an invaluable resource and he will stay on that top line. So I I'm right there with you. I think there's big things for Zach Hyman coming ahead keep an eye on the top power play because he's been rumored to be the net front guy there. I think Pugliarvi's his only competition there. We'll see. That's excellent. All right. So that started us out on the uh, back half of this episode. Raj, you up, brother. Another new face, a new place um, that I did not ever expect to care about. Christian Dvorak. And I actually had him written down before last night's exhibition game where I think he got four points or something like that. Lock it in. It's a definitely sustainable. But he's playing with Josh Anderson and Drew Ann. 
it looked great. I know it's preseason, but I do like that look. And Montreal is such a different team. It's a completely different style team than they were last year. Doesn't even matter what line that is. It's it's one, two, three. Doesn't matter. They all get the same amount of time on ice. Yeah, I think that's going to change though. Like now, this fourth line that they've got is definitely going to get less minutes. I think they are going to start turning into more of a top, slightly more, not crazy, but they're going to definitely want to play that Suzuki Caulfield line more. I think they are going to try to lean a little bit more offensive. (laughs) Dvorak looks like the only possibility for a 2C right now also. Um, He's pretty firmly planted into that top six, and I think he's going to be... Just fine. He's had a pretty good goal output the last couple of years in Arizona, which, you know, that's tough to do. Uh, and something that you always like to see, like as his time on ice went up, his production went up with it. And now putting into, a, you know, a team that needs some offensive spark, I think he's he's going to probably, I wouldn't be surprised if he's in the 25 goal type of range. And, you know, at 155 ADP in Yahoo. And I think there's lots of our drafts where he's not even being picked. So he's a guy you could just snag last round kind of thing um, as your fourth center. What a deep team they oh, yeah. have. You know what I like to, not that I'm saying that Dvorak's going to be a shoe in for that top power play. I do think that just as a whole, like I know you were talking about Jeff Petrie, um, as somebody that's kind of a sleeper because, you know, the addition of Mike Hoffman, the the coming out party of Caulfield and Suzuki coming out as like a real viable 1C, they have the making of a top power play unit. And like, that's how you get your money's worth out of Mike Hoffman. Yeah, for sure. You know, and they don't have like well, a second power play quarterback, be, really. They have Romanov, sure. Wouldn't that be the reason that Christian Dvorak would be automatically on the second power play? Unit? Yeah, that's what I think is like. I, I led off with like, you know, I'm not saying Dvorak's a shoe in, but that was that was more okay. a comment on Montreal as a whole than it is on Dvorak. If anything, it's a I mean, unfortunately for him, it seems like he has to be on the second. Like there is no other choice. I mean, who else is going to take face offs on that second power play? You know? No, it's he I don't think he'll be on the top power play. Definitely not. Yeah. Historically, they have run two power plays, but I think it's going to lean more. Overall, I think the, the whole team is going to lean more top-heavy. Like, you can only hope. So I got my maybe perhaps my biggest gamble, and it's it's Noah Hannafin. Yeah, I was going to say you're gonna, you're going to have to sell me yep. on this one. It's going to be tough um, because in writing this, like I kind of like there's there's not a huge ceiling, but it's also using last year's Calgary stats to try and sell it, which is going to be a hard sell. And Calgary is a huge question mark going into this season. I don't know. You know, what I like about Noah Hannafin here is is that he's he's somebody he's not ranked. He's outside ADP. He's just straight up not getting drafted enough to make Yahoo ADP. So maybe take your chances on the waiver wire. That's a real sleep. But there's there's what Zach always says is it's better to be the guy that drops him than the guy that wishes he had him on his team. And I think that could happen with Noah Hannafin. You take him in the last round. Uh, Daryl Sutter showed proclivity to play Hannafin on the power play more and more as the season went on. Sutter also had like a preference for Mark Giordano, who is now in Seattle. So two thirds of my sleepers are now getting expansion promotions in my mind. And I'm talking about Burkowski taking Donskoy's spot on the top power play. And now Hannafin taking Giordano's. Uh, the Rasmus Anderson experiment did not work it didn't work and that is that is my lead argument and i think i can rest my case on this one it did not work it didn't i wanted it to i was beating the drum for rasmus anderson because i thought he would be the guy that was cashing in on a power play that that never got going the entire decor for calgary totaled 22 power play points that is four more than new jersey if you like New Jersey's decor, if you were wondering like how bad that power play was for defensemen in Calgary. So maybe there's capped upside here. Maybe we're taking, you know, Noah Hannafin thinking that he's going to be like a, you know, Giordano when he was in his Nora season and just chewing up power play points like crazy. There's strong belief in Calgary circles amongst B writers like Haley Salvian that Hannafin's going to get a real look on the power play. So maybe taking a flyer on somebody like Hannafin, who is a QB1 or a possible QB1, 
you know, in your last round. And then like the worst case scenario is you drop him and you pick somebody up who you could have drafted two weeks ago in your draft. So there's not much to lose, but there's, there's pretty good value to be had to gain when it's somebody who's not getting drafted and defensemen dry up like crazy. And if you can land a top power play defenseman in your last round, I think it's going to, it's at least going to pay dividends on a 16th round, 22nd round pick, depending on where you're drafting. But you know, just a soup at the absolute definition of sleeper, somebody that's not getting drafted or drafted really late. That is going to outperform their ADP by a wild margin. Somebody that's not getting drafted. I don't see any reason he doesn't outperform it. So maybe I'm convincing myself, but uh, you know, I'd love to hear what you guys think on Hannafin, who you think might be the top power play. I know Rasmus Anderson could get another look. Maybe it's Valimaki. You know what, where are the holes in my argument? You do have to kind of lead Rasmus Anderson a little bit here on this first power play unit, don't you? I don't know. It just it didn't work last year. I mean, I know it. I know it wasn't the you know the most smooth transition last year, but it was one of the first things that Daryl Sutter did was get Rasmus Anderson off the power play. I'm not totally against this one. Did I sell you at least a little bit? Um, it, it's more. It's more. The, it's more. The, it's more the fact that I don't fully trust Noah Hannafin, um, and you know just his skill just how good he is uh i think he is a a perfectly fine player but i see him as you know as of this moment more of like a you know an ad drop kind of guy yeah for the time you wind up you can drop him and i do say that i would much rather be the guy to drop someone that you know i thought might perform and didn't as opposed to Thinking about picking a guy up, you know, thinking about picking up Noah Hannafin, being like, nah, because I don't want to lose, you know, I don't want to drop Paul Stassi or so, you know what I mean? I don't feel like dropping this guy. And then he ends up going off and you look like an idiot and somebody else picked him up. I don't know. There's so much competition there because you are, you wind up taking a flyer on a guy that has competition in Valimaki, that has competition in possibly Anderson. And then you're also like, say he does get it. What is the real upside? Because Calgary's power play last year was kind of trash. So that's what I was going to (laughs) say. Half of me doesn't believe it. Like, where's the real upside? But I do think that there's possibility. The same thing we were saying about Rasmus Anderson last year is like, you can get a top power play defenseman for free right now, you know, and pay little to no draft capital. And that's what I got for Hannafin because I do think he kind of fits the mold. You look at his his season go on and on, and he was getting more power play time as the season went on. You know, I, I look at a trend like that and a possible bounce back in Calgary, offensively at least. And you know, I think there could be middling fantasy value there. I'm not saying he's going to be top ten or top twenty defenseman by the end of the year. It's just I think he's going to be in the Philip Heronic kind of area, or okay. he's going to be way better than a fucking Kevin Shattenkirk or something. I, I just think he's going to give some value. You know, you're your defense when you're looking for guys like that, you know, I I think he's going to pay something. Well, cuz defense gets real fucking thin, real fucking quick. You know, he's the only defenseman on this list and it's hard to come up with defensemen. He, he I mean, he doesn't hit a lot and the blocks aren't really there, so It's not true. Mackenzie Weaker is on this list. We popped we we pop shot at it with a with a defenseman. All right. All right. Starting off right so away. You're up again. What's up? Speaking of Mackenzie Weir, we're going back to Florida. Carter Verhage. Carter Verhage. Uh, I feel like Verhage actually proved himself last year and is you know straight up getting disrespected in our fantasy drafts uh, this year for uh, for five hole. Uh, he's going in the mid-14th round. This man had 36 points last year in 43 games. It's good for a 69-point pace. It's just his second year. That, you know, so he has split down the middle, 18 goals, 18 assists on what appears to be, you know, a high shooting percentage at 16.8% until you realize that that's only 0.3% higher than his year two, uh, you know, career average. Now, we have seen similar production to this in a player, Alex DeBrinkett. We've seen this happen before, who had two back-to-back years starting out with incredibly high shooting percentage. And then to bring it drop down, well, not just drop down, he cratered to, you know, under 9% after, you know, being up around 18, 19, 20%. Uh, but 
promptly bumped it right back up the following season. This conclusion is yet to be made, however. Uh, what is assured is that a 14th round price is late enough that he is going to be very worth the gamble, especially at 0.84 points per game. Um, and his proximity to a player like Barkov for a whole season is, is or for a whole season is just fun to think about. And Reinhardt, yeah. And I do think that Reinhardt was a good was a good pickup to plug into that top unit. I think that they are going to be damn fine. I did love the big bump up to you know seventeen forty four time on ice in his second year. I can only imagine what he would be like with nineteen minutes. It's a great sleeper. One of you know one of my favorites, if not my favorite, of my four. Um, and I am personally going to be looking to draft Carter Hagee especially if I can get him in the mid-teens. 14-5 in Yahoo, too. Right around Carter, Christian Dvorak, 14-3, kind of going in the same range. Jared McCann, Mike Hoffman. A lot of good late-round guys. Timo Meyer getting straight-up disrespected, too. I don't want to hear it from you, Zach, but fucking 14.5. Good. There's a lot of value to be had down there. Who's your last one, Raj? Gary Busey is my last pick. Gary Busey. Patrick Liney, a former, you know, late first, early second round pick for a year there, uh, now uh, basically in the twelfth round. My, how the mighty have fallen! Mm. Yeah, and for a guy who can, you know, is thirty goals in his sleep, I think if you can get him in that twelfth, thirteenth round, is your your one of your later wingers. I mean, it was just a disaster in Columbus. There's no no question about it. Didn't get along with Torts. Torts is gone. I have a strong feeling that the new system is going to be built around his shot. Yep. And I agree with that heavily. It's not a horrible idea. You know, you got you got him there. He is a legit superstar scorer. And, and, and the way the team went last year had nothing to do with scoring. The addition uh, of Voracek, I think, is is huge for Line. Finally has a distributor. Yeah. An elite passer going to an elite scorer? Okay. Came up in a previous episode. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, it just it just makes absolutely perfect sense. A guy who only passes to a guy who only shoots. That's a great combination. You've always got that. you got the Adam Oates and Brett Hall. You've got the Henrik and Daniel, right? There's always, you got, you got to have that. And Liney had that for a while in Winnipeg, and it led to 44 goals. Do you know what is the weirdest thing? Like if you, if you want to know how bleak their center depth is, do you know who their one C is has been in preseason? They don't have one. It's Cole Sillinger. It's their first round pick from this year. Yeah, yeah, and their their second best center is Roslavich, who's a, a throw in in dynasty. Trade, right? So I don't know. I don't know how much I like the idea of like Russian Sillinger right now. You know what I mean? I, I get it. You got nobody like Max Domi is hurt right now. He's not going to be there. Rislavic is what he is. He's 33% on faceoffs. I don't know how much better Sillinger is going to be <laughs> diving face first into the NHL. You know, like, man, that is, that's tough. That's definitely the scary thing. For it's preseason. Team. So I'm, I'm chalking it up to that, but I mean, they, they just, they have their no options. They're not wavering from it. They they have no options is the thing, right? So we'll see. Again, sleeper, just the upside, right? If that clicks, you have a 40-goal scorer. Yeah. That's worth taking a shot. Dig it. So mine is kind of in the same vein. I mean, you take a look at Minnesota's center depth, and you tell me there isn't a fast track for Marco Rossi to get one C, or at the very least, find him on a line with Kirill Kaprizov. Now, I've gone on record saying that, you know, Rossi had a really tough year battling COVID last year. And we've said it a hundred times this offseason. You don't get better at hockey by not playing hockey. So there's there is a gamble here. And I do think Dean Evison takes it slow. So this one's going to be an investment. You take Rossi in the late rounds and you wait because I don't think he starts in the top six. Maybe he does. Maybe Dean Evison's got bigger balls than I do. Maybe Billy G is sharing his gin and tonics with with Dean and, and they're going Marco Rossi in the top six right out the gate. Maybe. But for anybody that doesn't know enough about Marco Rossi. Let me tell you a couple things. I kind I kind of like him better than Tomasino, if that tells you anything right off the bat. Whoa! In the in the OHL, his last year, he was over two points a game. Things are getting. He crazy. was over two points a game, and now I get it. It's the OHL. 
Now, 120 points in 56 games. That's more than Tomasino. That's more than Kaliev, Perfetti, McMichael, Byfield. Granted, you know, different time for Byfield, younger. Um, and I get it. Like, you know, OHL stats don't mean Jack. He also had more points the year before when Jason Robertson played in the OHL and played six more games. Rossi had more points more than Nick Suzuki, who was 19 years old at the time. Uh, the last player to pass two points per game and 120 points was Alex DeBrinket. The year before DeBrinket, you saw Marner, Dvorak, and Kevin LeBanc uh, go over two points a game or 120 points in the OHL. And if I haven't hyped up this kid enough, Connor McDavid had 120 points. Granted, it was in nine less games than Rossi played. I'm not trying to put Rossi in the same league as McDavid. Don't hear what I'm not saying here. But... You hear these level of names. You just use both their names in the same sentence. Uh, but as long as you know which players have also put up these gaudy totals in the OHL, it kind of gives you an idea of where he could land. He could land at Kevin LeBanc or he could land at McDavid. My bet is somewhere in the middle, somewhere very much in the middle. It's a wide chasm between those two guys. It is a hell of a spread. Now you look at like Joel Erickson Eck, maybe he's still the 1C. He's good. He's good defensively. That Greenway and Joel Erickson Eck line seems to work really well. But if you put Kaprizov and Rossi on the same line and tell me that that doesn't look like a first line more than the Greenway Jeek line, I don't know if I'm agreeing with you there. And again, it might be an investment. You might be waiting a bit for before Rossi takes a top role. Maybe it's on the power play, whatever. But I think like, you know, I, I don't. I don't really know where Rossi's going or if he's even getting drafted in a, the cupful draft that I just finished. Um, I think I took him in the 15th or 16th round. He's going late guys. He's going real late. And this is a guy that's, you know, pretty all but guaranteed um, good deployment and great line mates. Kaprizov signed. So you got him as a hopeful line mate. That's what we're all hoping for. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm high on Rossi paying more than not getting drafted. So, where I'm at. He's going to be one of those guys that you wish you picked up. I like it. I, I I like that you went, you know, deep down the freaking rabbit hole on this episode, TJ. I dig it. I, I dig it. Going deep down that rabbit hole. You know, when you're sitting, when you're just sitting in front of you, you're just sitting on the app, you know, looking for players, you know, just scrolling through the waiver wire while you're pooping, you know, just scroll, scroll, scroll. Boom. There you're finding TJ's guys down at the bottom. My poopy sleepers, man. So let's get into honorable mentions. Yeah. Uh, there were a ton of l- names that we left over, right? Like I talked a little bit about Jeff Carter. Um, Zach, your list was like 12 players deep. If you want to get some honorable mentions out. That is not true. Who that were some of your favorites? True. Like who barely missed the cut? The only one that we didn't add that I said, you just want me to say his name is new face in new place, Victor. Arnold. Yes. And it's because you talk so much trash and the, you know what the funny part is? I, I want, I want to let our listeners know. So there was a guy in one of our dynasties, Hick that, um, you know, Hey, if you're listening, um, Hick had been trying to force feed us Arvison for like the longest time. And we finally found a deal that worked out and it, it actually worked out really well because Arvidsson then got traded to LA and I like him a little bit better in LA, like fan tracks, fan tracks so removed a bunch of, um, position eligibility for players and we were really really thin at right wing so victor arvidson made a ton of sense for us and we needed to move cap and he needed uh jacob truba at this certain time so like we found a deal that worked out for both of us victor arvidson was one of those pieces and zach's thing has always been like stop trying to trade me victor arvidson and we actually traded for victor arvidson this offseason in our joint team in our uh our listener dynasty league and now we have arvidson so maybe maybe you'll switch maybe you never know. I do have. I did have him as an honorable mention, though. Um, I personally think that he is going to be slotted right into that top, you know, top line, top power play, just because it's really like they don't have much, um, especially as far as wings go. I love their center depth. Their center depth is is pretty damn good. Uh, but once you get out on the wings, it gets a little risky. Um, Victor Arvidsson is, you know, behind Dustin Brown, their best wing, as far as I'm concerned. Um, so I think that he is going to just slot into the, you know, high performance areas. 
which is why I had him on there. My honorable mention is Blake Coleman, who's getting top line reps in Calgary. Top line, and he's getting drafted at the end of the 14th round. We love him for his hits. We love him for his shot volume. And he's going to get even strength time on ice. You know, it's preseason lines, but that's where they're thinking about him. And Daryl Sutter and Blake Coleman go together like peanut butter and meatballs, dude. Like they're they're going to work. So I'm all about it. I like that. Raj, I kind of I want to I want to tee you up for one here. Alexi Lafreniere. Yeah, absolutely. He's he's I don't even know if he's been getting drafted, but uh, he's on a redemption campaign because Raj spent all of last season shit talking Lafreniere. Absolutely. And rightfully so. He didn't do shit all year, but he's primed this year. He he came along in the last maybe six to eight games. He really started to play. And uh, I think it's just going to continue this year. I do like Lafreniere, but there's a couple other guys who we just mentioned Lina. You could throw Voracek in there if it's if it's a points league here. I mean, even Claude Giroux is going at like 160th overall. Oh, my God. He's he's always. Faded. Just nobody wants Claude Giroux. 160th. That's like barely drafted. And you're looking at a. Well, he's going to get you some stats. If you're trying to think of him as, as Giroux from earlier in his career, that's not what you're going to get. But you're going to get way more than a, a 15th round value for him. I agree. Uh, Toffoli's going super late. Mike Hoffman. Mike Hoffman's getting faded. Yeah, I, I, I was definitely looking at Giroux. It just seems weird to consider him a sleeper, but he is going like 150, 160th overall. So That's curtains, boys. Thank you for being with us today, guys. We are Five Hole Fantasy Hockey. I hope you enjoyed the sleeper episode. Uh, as I said before, you can find us at FHFH Hockey on Twitter. FHF Hockey. If you do FHFH Hockey, that's two H's. That makes a lot of sense. FHF Hockey, boys. I don't have Twitter. I don't have Twitter. I'm not interested. You can hit us up on our beepers. Smoke signals work. Add us to your top eight <laughs> on MySpace. Okay. I think that's it. Deuces. Love yous. Love you. Love you guys. Love you.